Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Synesthesia. I am Enrico and today I'm really excited because I will be interviewing an artist I've been chasing for a while after falling in love with her artwork for Octavian's album Endorphins. Her name is Cartney McWilliams. Cartney is a visual artist, designer and creative director with years of experience in the fashion and music industry. On top of Octavian, she's worked with Kanye West, Jay-Z and Rihanna, to name just a few. Her artworks explore themes like female liberation, sexual freedom, freedom and ultimately evil and inner demons. Octavian Sandorfin's cover is indeed the quintessential representation of her unique style and we will be talking about it very soon. But let's see how she's doing first. Ciao Cartney, how are you? Ciao, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm talking from London as usual, the Beauvoir town. Where in the world are you? I'm in Paris right now, that's where I live. So yeah, we're going into lockdown as of tomorrow. Yeah, I've been informed we're in full lockdown from tomorrow again, so that's going to be fun. Have you been busy with boat work recently? Yeah, I've been I've been very busy. It's been strange to kind of figure out a way to stay present in the work in this in this time because it just feels like everything's so dead and like when you're working from home and there's so many restrictions um i don't know it's you've got to really find that energy to stay going but yeah i've been working a lot can you tell us uh, about a very interesting project that you've worked on uh, recently well i've just finally submitted a feature that I'm doing for Off the Rails magazine. Matthew Cormer, who is the editor there, uh, approached me and he was like, oh, I'd love you to do some pages for the magazine. And then he was like, oh, actually, can we do a cover? And then he was like, actually, can we do a front and back cover and they be fold out? So it's like a really, really huge feature that I'm so excited about um when is the magazine gonna be out in i'm not sure actually i think they're they're uh, test printing now so i'm really terrible with these magazine schedules but um before the end of the year and um it's going to be a collection of new digital artwork that i've done and like i said i'm getting a cover so i'm really excited congratulations thank you yeah it's a real privilege it's rare for an artist you know that's not working with a celebrity or something like that to get a cover on a magazine so i'm really happy well it is a, a privilege for me to interview you so oh, privilege. i introduced you to the audience uh, mentioning a few artists you worked uh, with we know that you signed the um, watch the throne cover for jay-z and kanye west and uh, we still need to give uh, a little bit of background about your career to the people who are listening so how you chose this path and made it happen how did you end up working specifically in a creative consultancy in the music industry? Well, I was um, a fashion designer for nine, ten years. I, I got my degree in menswear, my master's degree in menswear from the Royal College of Art in London and, um, and went straight to work at Givenchy uh, and was there yeah, nine years working under Ricardo Tichy and 
had an amazing experience there and um, I have to say that it was during my time there that I worked on the Watch the Throne cover, but um, it was really Ricardo Tisci's creative direction um, alongside Virgil and Kanye. You know, I can't take I can't take credit for it. I just had the privilege of of contributing to the artwork. But uh, yeah, that was my first taste of of working with musicians. And from my very first year at Givenchy, Ricardo had me working on some special projects with, with Kanye and, um, and Jay-Z. And then, you know, we did some bits for Rihanna and Beyonce. And I just realized that, you know, I love designing, but the real, the thing that gives me the real rush is when you see those clothes in context. And so when you see a performer on stage at like, tour and many other amazing kind of performances you know where Beyonce wore stuff on stage in front of like millions of people and you're just like wow like I physically handmade that piece that's when you feel you know that's when you get the fire inside your belly that's when you're like this is why I have studied my you know my ass off worked my ass off worked late nights you know not slept not eaten you know been through so much kind of shit to really get this garment to be what it needs to be and then you get that kind of feedback you get the privilege of watching that piece on this performer on stage and then you're like oh now it makes sense that fashion doesn't exist in isolation fashion is um you know a contribution to to culture and that is you know particularly in music it's about seeing those garments worn in movement on stage by like a real dynamic performer so for me it was like fashion's just not enough it's not enough for me to see it down the catwalk unless it's you know a really spectacular show like um like an old Galliano show or something which was a real piece of art you know it's a real performance art piece but I agree. I mean, fashion enhances the experience, the musical experience. I yeah, don't... I just think they go hand in hand and it just gives the, you know, seeing music, feeling the energy of the music while you're watching your piece in a performance. I mean, that's everything. That's, to me anyway, it just gives me so much validation and so much um, sense of, I don't know, sense of joy. It gives me validation for my work and I feel so proud you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to have ju- been just me that did it. It's, you know, it's always a huge team of people that goes into anything that happens. And, you know, that's incredible. The energy of a live show wouldn't be the same without certain um, outfits, would it? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, but I think, you know, just as a designer, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a huge kind of theatrical gaga piece or it's, you know, just a T-shirt. To see... Um, your something that you designed in that context on stage being worn by an incredible performer and you feel kind of the energy of the music and the room then you're like oh you know what a privilege to have contributed to a part of that performance um, that yeah. for me was what kind of kept me going and I think then when I started to when Ricardo left and there was less of those kind of exciting projects to work on that's when I was kind of like you know I I need to move on because if I'm not able to communicate with people um you know if I'm just sticking a print on a t-shirt and selling it to a random consumer you know that's not enough for me it needs to be it needs to be a, a, an emotional experience working in this industry. Um, and that's what kind of led me down the path into working with musicians because, um, 
there's just something about performance and music that that elevates everything emotionally for me. Yeah, it's a theater, it's the spectacle. So yeah. you started with the Givenchy, and yeah. I assume we are talking about uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, yeah. I wanted to know about you when you were a student at, at the Royal College of Arts in London. Okay. Um, how did you shape your aesthetic taste? Did you belong to any subcultures? What, what were your main influences as a teenager growing up in London? Well, I didn't grow up in London. I grew up, uh, I moved around all over the UK and we grew up in uh, Southeast Asia uh, as well. So I was a little bit of a world child. And then going to to London to do my master's was a, a kind of a culture shock for me because all the kids there were like really into subcultures and everyone was going out and like meeting people in the industry and um, trying to get you know, push their designs to stylists and make friends with stylists and photographers. And it was all this kind of hustle that I wasn't prepared for. And I didn't really ever fit into that sort of that world. I wasn't going, I wasn't like a club kid or anything. I wasn't going out and trying to meet people to push my career, um, which I felt was kind of what people thought that you had to do and it still is to some extent um that whole social thing um for me I was I, I didn't move to London I commuted and I was living in a small town called Epsom in Surrey and just really keeping it very low-key and and kind of removing myself every day from the London scene because that sort of pressure didn't really fit with my way of thinking That's really interesting to hear because you described yourself as an outsider. Yeah, I had imposter syndrome going there for sure. Well, that's I, quite common in the creative industries, isn't it? It must be tough. Yeah, really tough. And I think, you know, the Royal College, it's like there's eight people doing what you're doing on your course. You know, the best master's degree for menswear probably in the world, uh, you know, sits alongside Central St. Martins as being one of the best universities. So it was a lot of pressure. And I really felt like I didn't belong there. But I would, I don't, more than anything, I'm a real fighter. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to figure this out. So, what kind of music were you listening to at the time to put up with this pressure? Well, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, introduced me to a lot of like uh, the music he was listening to. And he was listening to a lot of Jamie T. We were just obsessed. And so my whole collection became about like my friends who were my um, then boyfriend's friends um, who were, some of them went to school with Jamie and they had that real similar aesthetic. And, and I just loved everything about Jamie's music, his, his songwriting, the stories in his music, his music videos were amazing. I thought the way he dressed was like just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I thought he was the coolest person. So it became, everything became centered around Jamie T as this sort of muse. So it was really just about looking at kind of like the average, like sort of like a suburban London boy. I think they weren't trying to be a subculture. I think they were just trying to be kind of lads. They were just trying to go to the pub and listen to the music they liked and like deal some drugs. And, you know, and you can imagine their parents were probably like quite rich and like lived in the suburbs of London. And It's interesting because um, there are miles apart between Gemity and Octavian. Or are, do they have things in common at the end of the day? Uh, yeah, probably. I think they probably have a lot in common. I think like Octavian's, you know, a lad. Like, you know, boys just want to be cool at the end of the day. I think that's what, what why they make music. 
like you know it's better if they're good at it and they they you know they they like writing songs i think jamie's amazing i think he's a poet but our dream was uh, to collaborate with jamie t at some point yeah for sure in 2019 you ended up collaborating with octavian how did this collaboration come about well i met his uh ex-manager alex sosa right when i graduated from university we we kind of like stayed very very loosely in touch on facebook didn't really speak much for 10 years and then he approached me like literally at the perfect time when i was like right i need to get my ass out of Givenchy. and he came to me and said oh i'm thinking about like you know i'm working with this new london rapper and i think you'd like his music and and i was like yeah take me like i need i need to, an excuse to leave i need a project i wanted to become an artist at, you know I, I was a designer and I really wanted to cross over into the art world. So I was like, and he was like, yeah, you can do like anything you want for his artwork. Anything that you think is right, let's just do it. And I was like, this is amazing. This is what I need. So would you describe this um, collaboration with Octavian as um, a crossroad in your career, like a shift from being a fashion yeah. designer into a proper artist? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because I think, um, you know, I'd started to kind of practice my art form Um, at home for the year, year, 18 months leading up to that moment. And when I got that opportunity, it felt like, okay, this is the first real gig as an artist. And I think people received it as a piece of art. They did indeed. We are interviewing you because uh, honestly, your cover, your artwork is the only one featured in Synesthesia, which belongs to 2019. Oh, cool. We decided to focus only on releases like from 2020. But in your case, we wanted to make an exception because we had this artwork in mind for, for a year. And I will say that it's one of the artworks that inspired us to do this show at the cross between art and music, because as you said, it was a proper process of creating an artwork. Yeah, for sure. What was the brief like? They just said to me, like, that the title's going to be Endorphins. And I thought that was already great because, you know, everything I do is a kind of about emotion and, you know, what go you know hormones i suppose what leads you to acting in certain ways and as a human being um all those kind of instincts and urges um that are so intricate and interesting so and he was like yeah i think alex said to me we're thinking like yeah about playing with that idea of what that does to your body and i was like oh it's kind of like a natural acid trip for me it's like it's endorphins kind of do crazy things to your body they can make you act in ways that you don't want to like logically it's that feeling that you are one with the universe isn't it yes one with the universe and yet so separated from your your rationale which i love so i was like instantly i was like yeah i can imagine kind of like a vision of an acid trip and this guy it's like very sex and rock and roll and you know everything you know the first thing my mind goes to was like acid trip smiley faces sex naked women i was like wicked i can see it <laughs> so um it was quite um it took a long time to do but it was it was um a very easy one to realize because It was the culmination of all my kind of preparation as an artist, all these ideas that I'd had sort of coming together in this format. And I love to work in a square as well. Looking at Endorphin's cover with the spark contrast between natural skin tone colors and acid palettes all around them, I saw a tribute to contemporary painters like George Kondo, who mm-hmm. collaborated 
as well with the Kanye for my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and yeah. more recently with La Flame for his latest two singles. Are these your visual references? Yeah, of course. Kondo is just one of my favorites since a long time. I mean, I have many favorites. I watched a really interesting documentary on Kondo the other day that my best friend sent me. And he talks about, you know, all, where all his, how his paintings are, um, how, how they come together. And, you know, he, you can see he's pulled from so many references. You know, Picasso, for example, is obviously like a huge inspiration to him. And I love that idea of like being so inspired by something that really touches you. And I think when it comes to artists that I like, my visual references, you know, I'm only going to reference the people that really kind of hit me in a place where I feel connected. Uh, and Kondo is definitely one of those people. He was one of, one of my favorites since a long time. I had the same feeling with Kondo when I first saw one of his paintings at Tate Modern. It was a, a while ago, but my reaction was like, oh my God, this is um, comics elevated to fine art and yeah. it's just crazy. It's absolutely beautiful. And uh, of course, I noticed this um, tribute to him in your um, usage of uh, colors and also also how you handle your brush and yeah, how you sure. do the composition and shapes. Can you go deeper in this um, technical description of your artwork? Well, I'm very, I, I like to say that I'm very heavy handed. I'd like to be more precise, but it doesn't feel very natural. I kind of like that feeling of uh, going to do something precise and then pur- purposefully not doing it precise because, you know, because fuck it, you know, maybe it'll be more interesting if I just let my hand imagine what what happens rather than my brain. That's where you get kind of my distinct work. You know, it's the same with handwriting, I suppose. It's like, it, it comes from your hand. You, your brain doesn't really it just lets your hand get on with it. So that's where I get kind of these distinct kind of rough strokes. And I try to sort of distort and blur things as much as possible because I don't think anything is in life. I don't think anything is precise. And I like the idea of fluidity and, and dynamic movement and kind of rough expression. Which reflects the music. Uh... Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, he's got kind of a very raw, rough approach to his rapping, which is um, which is cool. So we discussed about your inspiration, your creative process, uh, your technique uh, and your visual references. Uh, you yeah. mentioned your love for George Kondo, which we noticed. Now I want to explore your semiotics. At the beginning of the interview, started describing this uh, artwork you created for Octavian. You mentioned <laughs> the smile, which is from the rave world, from an acid trip, let's say. But then I noticed in most of your artworks, uh, dragons, so I want to know about this obsession, and the rabbit that really, I can't help thinking about Donnie Darko. (laughs) Well, Donnie Darko, I mean, Donnie Darko is an amazing film, and it definitely wasn't a reference, but that film was incredible, and I love everything about it, and the the rabbit head is sick. Maybe it was in, in your subconscious mind. Well, the, the thing is, they, they'd done a video for Octavian with Skepta and there was a girl dancing in the video wearing a, a, a bunny head and she was like twerking. And I thought it was really cute because the head was like massive and she was this really like hot curvy black girl in a bikini. And I just thought like that was sort of, for me, there was something, you know, that I loved about that, you know, a, um, a beautiful girl in this kind of strange bunny head I thought was perfect. 
it was the thing that kind of clicked with me. So that was my, I saw that and I was like, okay, great. I'm going to do something with a, with a bunny head. Also, because... I want to um, hear about the dragons. Oh yeah, the dragons. Well, I grew up in uh, Southeast Asia. I've always loved I mean, it was Malaysia, so there was like a real mix of culture, a lot, like a lot of Chinese influence um, there, and we'd often go to kind of festivals. And I, ju I don't know, I just love all of the, I don't know, the the symbology of those kind of mystical creatures. They're so beautiful. I mean, what's not to love about a dragon? It's uh, comes from the the strangest place of somebody's imagination. So you define the dragons as mystical. Would you define your artworks as mystical as well? I hope so. I try to make them mystical. You said in a few interviews that mm, it's all about the yin and yang. A visual yeah. presentation of the vortex of emotions that we experience in our lives and their ambiguity. They are not bad or good emotions. They are all part of the same psychological universe of opposites, but complementary mental states. For sure. I mean, I love the idea of ju juxtaposition. And I have a son. I have a, a son who's like five, nearly six years old. And you you realize when you become a parent how much you say don't do that that's bad don't do that that's wrong and you're indoctrinating this idea of good and bad and dark and light but you've got to but what you're telling them is you've got to stay on the good side and you've got to be you know the goody you've got to be the the superhero rather than the villain you've got to stay on the light side you know the dark side is bad you know And it's not that simple. And what, uh, as a parent, now I'm trying to do is educate him in what I learned. And I think a lot of people learn too late in life, which is that you have to embrace the balance and you have to understand anything dark that's ever happened to me has only ever fueled progress in my life as far as I'm concerned. So <clears throat> it's about knowing that when that thing is happening rather than being stressed about it or living in a state of unease over this horrible dark thing that's happening you have to learn to ride that wave and uh, and figure out what you're getting out of that circumstance and not make the situation be so black and white okay, let's go back to beauty pure beauty the beauty yeah. of the women you, you portrayed in the um, endorphins cover what about them i don't know I think I was just painting kind of a representation of female purity. I, I'd been going at that time, I'd been having a lot of conversations with my girlfriends about what it meant to be a woman in today's society, what it meant to be, not just not just to be a woman in, in industry, but just to be a woman and what that meant. And, um, you know, I, I, I grew up with parents that were very concerned with me growing up to be very proper very like to be a lady and that that from a very young age really bothered me and I think just instinctively I was like why have I got to act a certain way or express myself in a certain way to make myself more desirable to men to other women but I think we all go through that kind of conflict of of identification and how you how you portray yourself and actually when I did Um, this magazine that I've just worked on now, the Off the Rails. And I told my mum, I was like, oh, I've, I've just got this amazing opportunity to do this feature in this cover. And she was like, oh God, I hope it's not all naked women and sex and demons. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I mean... So that... what's, the main, what's the main message? What's the main uh, insight for the beholder seeing your naked women? 
Is it about liberation? It's about um, attraction? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of the kind of poses that I find are taken from kind of um, from old porn magazines or, or porn websites just to get kind of, but, but I'm like very methodical. I'll go through like a, you know, a thousand pages trying to find like the most beautiful pose, you know, there's nothing kind of seedy about it. It's just, I think there's something very, um, do you know what it is? It's very animalistic. I think that's what, um, I'm not looking for something that's kind of slutty or, necessarily like disgustingly provocative or you know I don't want to be on here going like oh yeah I reference porn for my art that's not where I'm coming from I'm I'm looking for beautiful women in kind of interesting positions and most of them end up being you know in these dynamic shapes that are you know interesting forms or they're in this kind of animalistic position which I think takes us back to who we are as humans and I think that this idea of kind of being naked is very refreshing because I mean you don't want to really paint a woman with her clothes on it, it there is something so beautiful about the form of a naked woman that, that's undeniable um that's been painted since the beginning of time and it's because it's just so uh, I don't know how to describe it I will say that uh, we've come a full circle from uh, the beginning since when you started describing the artwork uh, for um, Octavian Sandorfins so we touched all the main themes uh, and the overarching one is this uh, being humans yeah. and uh, feeling the emotions uh, expressing themselves through emotions uh, and also not being afraid to um, appear in our dark and bright side yes. so I am really really glad because we went deep into discussing the cover and we can start the last part of our show which consists of three columns the people who have been listening to synesthesia since episode one know it very well already we mentioned all these columns and your influences your inspiration anecdotes about your work and background on our instagram page synesthesia underscore podcast go check it out because we'll be tagging Cartney and you can see her work for Octavian but also other great stuff she's been doing with other artists or just by herself. So first the column of the episode is called Word on the Street. Word on the Street. For Word on the Street, uh, we would like you to talk to us about a current cultural music scene which you find particularly fascinating. You can mention uh, a visual artist or musician you would like to work with or collaborate, uh, anything that like uh, you find interesting and um, thriving at the moment. Um, do you know who I love, who I can't stop listening to at the moment, is Coffee. God, I don't know. She's just so cool. Like, she's literally, I think her music, her, it's really rare for me. I'm so picky with my music. It's really rare for me to, to find that song that I just want to listen to over and over again. And I could listen to it for like her song Rapture uh, from last year. I, I can still listen on repeat today. And the video for it is one of my favorites of all time. I just think she's the coolest girl I've ever seen in music are you guys in touch no 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 maybe maybe one day i don't know if i'm she's just i don't know if i'm cool enough i don't know she's like i just i think i want to be her you know that's that's what it is i just wish i was that cool she's jamaican um a very contemporary reggae artist how did Uh, you get to know her music 
My friend Olivia Rose, who is an amazing uh, female director and photographer, she was pitching on a video for her. And so we were talking, and I was like, who's coffee? And so I was like, okay, let's, I was maybe going to do some pieces, like some custom garments or something for her. Olivia was like, let's design them and we'll put it in the pitch. And then we'll, you know, we'll come in with a strong pitch for this music video. I assume that you lost the pitch, but you found a new favorite artist. That's the right Literally, literally. And I'm sure one day Olivia and I will work with Coffee because we both are obsessed. And, and Olivia is just like the coolest person. You should interview her at some point. Yeah, maybe uh, in Esthesia we will make it happen. We will interview yeah. her. Let her know that Carney wants to work with her. That's what you've been listening now. And so 2020 is all about coffee for uh, Carney MC. But now we need to go back in time for the second column, private collection. Private collection. Private collection is really simple. Tell us about a record sleeve or music video that has left a mark on you. That kind of track or album that really changed your life overnight. Jamie T. Sticks and Stones was one of my favorite music videos that inspired a lot for me. I don't know, he's just like shooting it in a friend's like back garden, in a shed, running down an alleyway. There's a guy dressed up as a clown. It's really random, but I just really love it. And I love the song like that. I, I think I watched that video like a hundred times just to kind of get inspired for um, my first ever collection. And um, I don't know why it had a had a big impact on me. I really also loved the video Jungle by Professor Green. I thought that was really sick. That was one of my favorite music videos. Wicked video. Wicked video. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Like he's massive, amazing. massive. Yeah, probably only like one of the only good dubstep tracks ever. But it's good. Yeah. So dubstep is massive. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> is another um, video that you loved. Don't worry about writing this um, information from McCartney's private collection because you will find a reference about them on our Instagram page at synesthesia underscore podcast. Go and check it out. We post the mood board for uh, each new episode on Wednesdays. We have the last three minutes and uh, it's the time for our column flavors 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 it's easy recommend us an instagram page and a local spot so a place you really love in paris and when our listeners will be able to visit paris again they might check it out because you recommend it okay instagram page i'm gonna give a shout out to my friend ben ditto because it is for all the shit that you look at on Instagram every day that is just absolute worthless trash. I mean, he is just so brilliantly random and hilarious. So I love him. So I'm gonna give a shout out to Ben Ditto. Then spots in Paris. Well, I was at the, I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it. I mean, Reich Gallery the other day. And I've been there twice now, once to see George Kondo and wants to see Wes Lang. And both times I've been in there, I was blown away by the commissions that they got for for that space. I mean, what the artists did were just these huge art, like astronomically large artworks that were stunning. And both times I've been in there, I've been in with my son 
and my friend and it's been completely dead. I've literally been able to do a private tour of George Kondo and Wes Lang. So those experiences like what, were just brilliant. What I find really interesting is that both George Kondo and Wes Lang worked with Kanye. Yeah, well Kanye works with the best, you know. Yeah, and you work with Kanye as well. So uh, we are we started uh, with the best. <laughs> we are ending the show with the best. Check out Carney and see flavors on our Instagram page, Synesthesia underscore podcast. Please let, uh, help us grow because we are still so grassroots and small. We need uh, more audience because uh, the stories that these artists like Carney are sharing are absolutely outstanding. Thanks a lot, Carney. We finally made it. Now we can say it. We tried it. To record this interview four times but eventually <laughs> on a at 9 p.m on a very gloomy uh, thursday evening night at this point in london we recorded it and i am so happy about it you just listened to synesthesia the artist behind the artist subscribe to our channel and follow us on instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast